It is the 11 Dubcast brought to you by the Dry Goods Store at drygoods.11warriors.com. I am Johnny. And I'm Andy Vance. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Got it. Uh, Andy's here. Bo is uh, out covering uh, the Browns. The Browns, first of all, we had a little discussion about this uh, before we started recording. The Browns are playing Monday Night Football as we record this or are about to play Monday Night Football. Are they playing right now? Is, is it started? Yeah. It, it, I was checking my fantasy How scores. How are they doing? And, um, uh, well, see, I was looking at my fantasy scores, which the answer to that is then not great. L L O L. Um, but the game's pretty early. I mean, we're just a few minutes into the first quarter at uh, the time I checked my score. So I don't so know. We were talking about this because Bo does, Bo does stuff for the Browns and, uh, someone else who, who is very attached to the Browns is our, our good friend, DJ Burns. And we're all sending prayers to him on this, this occasion of, of Monday night football, the, the most dangerous of times, uh, for, yes. for Donald. So we'll, we'll, we'll hope that he stays, uh, you know, keeps his nose clean, stays out of trouble. Uh, we're going to hold it down here um, in the Columbus area, and you know we've got we've got an Indiana game to dissect a little bit. I, I'm not really, I mean, I don't know what all you can kind of glean from this aside from the fact that they just kicked total ass, and it was awesome to watch. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I look, I thought it was going to be slightly closer than it ended up being, but really, this is just kind of all you know, not a threat from really any point in time. The defense just locked down them from from the word go. Man, we really psyched ourselves up about, I mean, you, you and I were talking about the Cincinnati game a few weeks ago and sure. it's like, we, we psyched ourselves up for that one that, oh, they're going to be a challenge. And then you start thinking about, you know, like stuff in Indiana just seems to happen and you get psyched up and then you're like, oh no, this was a thorough <laughs> handing of the Hoosiers in every phase of the game. I mean, it was, it was really something to behold. Yeah, well, and the thing is, I mean, you know, every every coach, in my opinion, every coach, every team, every regime has its own little, like, you know, nemesis, right? Somebody that's going to yeah. give them headaches and make it impossible for them, all this other stuff. And, you know, Indiana had some really good games against Urban Meyer's Ohio State football teams. And doesn't look like Ryan Day is going to have the same issues, frankly, because, you know, you come out, J.K. Dobbins runs for almost 200 yards. He just is can do whatever he wants. Uh, Justin Fields, not maybe in terms of like accuracy, the best thing that you've ever seen in your entire life. He started a little bit slower, but he got better as the game went on. Uh, you know, three touchdowns, you know, through the uh, through the air, another one on the ground. I mean, it, it, it he the team was getting whatever they wanted. And, and that's really kind of what you want to see, a continuation of the offensive prowess that they were able to continue or had in the first, uh, basically the last half of the first game and then all the way through the second game against Cincinnati. Uh, they look really good right now. And, and honestly, at the beginning of the season, I don't know that I would have called them a top five team just based on all the things that you know they had to work out and figure out and understand, with, especially in terms of depth with that the offensive line and whatnot. Uh, those things seem to be figured out at least initially, right? Like, Yeah. I mean, and what, what kind of I find interesting is that after the first couple games and, you know, you're doing the, well, it's Florida Atlantic, well, it's UC, well, you know, at least in terms right. of UC's offense or, or whatnot, you kind of expected something out of their defense maybe. And, you, you know, you're still doing the, well, it's Indiana. Uh, but, you know, I, I like the graphic uh, for, for folks who follow this fine website, 11 Warriors, I've heard of on Instagram. There was a neat little graphic uh, comparing Barrett to Haskins to Justin Fields in their first three games. And, you know, Fields uh, has outpaced them in terms of yards and total touchdowns. Uh, so, you know, if you if you look at 
the previous two signal callers as barometers. Fields is doing okay after his first three games. And then likewise, you mentioned Dobbins. I, I was kind of amazed. You heard some people grumbling a, you know, a few times late in the season, last season, early in the season, this season about, you know, Dobbins, like, you know, he was sort of a step down from his predecessors as the go-to running back. But man, I think he'd silence some critics with that performance against the Hoosiers because he ran like a man possessed. And I was quite surprised they pulled him before he got 200 yards. Yeah, that, that that was uh you know that was one of those I think brain farts that we saw last season. You know, you're a yard or two away from 500 yards passing. Yeah, let's take it. Let's let them take a seat. I, you, let them let them get the number right. Like I know I know it doesn't necessarily mean anything, but let them get the magic number because the magic number is awesome, and we can talk about it and you know point it out in stats later. It's it's fun to have one magic number that I also liked in addition to JK Dobbins 193 rushing yards was master T getting 106. So you had this situation. It wasn't just JK, you know, kicking butt. I mean, you've got master T coming in a person who, you know, I don't think a lot of people know much about at all. Definitely a different type of running back comes in and is really, really effective in limited touches, only a 10 carries, but was just out there just toting the rock. And look, I, here's my biggest thing about Ohio state, right? I, I believed that, they would have to rely really heavily on their passing game. And, and honestly, the wide receivers, I think, are as good as advertised. Some of the things that they were able to do, some of the catches they were able to make, uh, their route running, all the stuff that they're all on the same page as Justin Fields, that, that's as advertised. But it, when you add that extra element of the running game to it, when you can you know run for 300 yards, I don't care who it's against. When you can run for 300 yards in addition to the 200-plus that you're getting from your passing game, I don't – I mean – how do you stop an offensive like an offense like that? I mean, that's that is a really, really effective offensive game plan, and they just ran it excellently. And the thing that you have to love about it too, so you've got Antigua that sort of change up. Uh, he's he's more he looks more like or runs more like uh, a Carlos Hyde to yeah. me um, than Dobbins does, obviously, and, and just sort of that. What's the phrase they use? You know. He, he, runs like he has bad intentions, you know, <laughs> just like I wouldn't <laughs> want to get between that guy in the end zone kind of deal. Uh, the way he played there Saturday was a good example. And then when you add into that fields as a capable rusher, when you have, um, you know, some of the schemes and plays that they run where he can read it and, you know, pull and run that I, I like that. We don't have to count on him um, for, you know, an every down kind of run. Like sometimes you felt like JT Parrott was going to be one who had to get the yardage. And so now you have options, but you still have to account for him if you're a defensive coordinator. Right. He's he's not going to be the guy that has to get the first down, but he might be. Exactly. And that's really important. And honestly, I mean, you look, even Justin Fields, who didn't have a lot of rushing yards, didn't need to have a lot of rushing yards, can definitely get you that first down you know, even, even when the, you know, the defense is keying in on the running back. So there's, there's a lot of options there to me. It's really, I mean, it's cool in the sense that you have all these weapons. What I really like about it is the fact that it's not just an urban Meyer offense where you're, you know, you're running the read and all this other stuff. Like it's a, it's a much more pro style uh, attack. And it's just, it's something very different than what we've seen the past several years. And I appreciate that last thing before I get to the defense, who do you think right now, Andy, is the best wide receiver on the team? You know, I'm I'm trying to make sure that I'm not creature of the moment in falling in love with Olave after his yeah. performance 
last weekend, because I was like, that block punt was a thing of beauty. <laughs> um, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make sure I'm not falling into that, but man, is that guy blooming or what? So, yeah. so I, I don't want to go ahead and say he's the guy. Um, cause there's a pretty close top two, three there really depending on what your what you like and what, what your, what your preference is. Um, but man, I've, I've really been impressed with that cat this season just has really come into his own and credit to, you know, the, the, the coaching that he's getting and, um, that he's stepping up in, in making the plays. I, I think that's been a lot of fun. I mean, what's your, what, what, what's your poison here? If you're picking your poison in that, in that receiver's room. Well, see, that's that's the great thing about it, right? Because you can't really make a decision if you're a defense of who you're going to cover and, and you know try to double and, and send safeties toward because there's so many guys that can hurt you. I, you know, Olave obviously is to me he's probably one of the top two on the team. I, I think him and Ben Victor have just really shown some really incredible stuff this season. I, I mean, I love KJ Hill. I'm not I'm not crapping on KJ Hill at all. I think he's a you know much more in the line of like a, a Gonzalez or a Harline kind of type. Right. Um, where you can get, you know, you can get those crossing routes and you can get the intermediate passes and he's going to catch those. Um, but the way Justin Fields likes to throw, I mean, you watch him, right? And they'll send, maybe a play breaks down or maybe they're sending on play action. His eyes are downfield and he's looking for Olave and he's looking for Ben Victor. And that's why, for example, you know, Chris Olave had three receptions and averaged over 23 yards a catch, right? Against Indiana. Yeah. Because his eyes are downfield. They're looking for Olave. They're looking for, you know, a tall, lanky Ben Victor. And it, right now it's it's clicking. And I, I think as long as they are able to get open and Olave shows a lot of wiggle, a lot of ability to get away from the defensive backs, I think they're going to keep up racking up big yards. So for me, those are the top two. And the thing that I like about what you, what you just described there in this kind of the, the different things, each of those men bring to the field, it's, it's kind of like, you know, green arrow going to his quiver and he's got 470 different arrows <laughs> in there. Right. Depending right. on what I need, I need an arrow that can do that, you know, that you've got a guy on the roster that can do whatever that thing is. And it gives your quarterback a whole lot of options. And when he's going through his progressions, because you, you in theory have got places to go and, and it just opens the whole thing up. You're, you're not one dimensional when you've got the skill set of the different receivers, uh, just their body types and their ability to go up and make a catch. And that was one of the things I really enjoyed about that Indiana game is listening to Joel Klatt diagnose some of the things with, with fields mechanics and how he was passing um, he talked a little bit about, you know, Fields maybe throwing a little high to his receivers. And, and hey, the good thing is he's got some tall you know, receivers who, who've got some reach to them and can go up and, and catch a ball if it's a little high. Yeah. Uh, and, and hey, he's got guys that are getting open. I mean, you know, a couple of years ago, we were looking and saying, geez, why aren't these receivers ever open? Hey, now they're getting open and getting space again, you know, relative to the competition. We'll see what it looks like. And two, three weeks when we're really into the meat of the Big Ten schedule. But yeah. so far, looks pretty yeah. good. I mean, I think the talent and I think the coaching with, with Heartline is just taking that squad, obviously, to a you know another level. And they're just doing some amazing things. Uh, defensively, lights out. I mean, the, the especially, I mean, the defensive line. Look, the thing about Ohio State's defensive line, even if, let's say, Bosa stays healthy last year, right, throughout the season, Obviously, he's going to make a gigantic impact on every game that he's going to be in. I don't know that he necessarily prevents Ohio State from having even like a mediocre, you know, like 
rushing defense. I, I still think what I'm saying is I still think even with him there, even when Nick Bosa around, their rush defense would not have been great. Um, and you know, he would have gotten his sacks, he would have been able to put pressure on the quarterback in passing situations, but they still really need to figure out the interior of that defensive line. Uh, they seem to have done that. Bob Lander's doing great. Everybody, I mean, like they're they're all of these, all these guys on the defensive line are working really, really well in concert, and they're just not allowing anything. And when you've got a guy like Chase Young, who has five sacks in three games, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is which again, I said this last week not getting the publicity he deserved. This guy should yeah. be pumped up just as much as we pumped up the Boses. Uh, yes. He's doing ridiculous things, impacting every single play. Um, you know, they are really, really, really tough to play against. When the linebackers are obviously improved from last season, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. that's – what do you do about that if you're opposing team? You Not only do you have to score every time, but you also have to really worry about the fact that they could come at you, get an interception, get a sack, and knock you back 15 yards. Like, it's it's a tough team to play against right now. That's the thing I love about it is, you know, we, you haven't had much reason to criticize the defensive line since Larry Johnson's been – on the staff. I mean, they've just been a fantastic unit, but there's always been a nit to pick. It seemed like past that. And it's been, you know, linebackers, uh, unfortunately, or maybe, you know, just this, this, that other thing, but you're, you're right. I mean, they've stepped it up that secondary. uh, And and I'm with you wholeheartedly. I said a couple weeks ago, is it too early to start chase young's Heisman campaign? And I still feel that way. Um, And you would expect if he continues the way he's been, he's a legitimate top three kind of guy. Um, you know, first rounder for sure, but legitimately would be a top three, top five kind of pick, uh, in the draft when he goes, he's, he's going to be playing on Sundays for a while, man. I look at, uh, Jake had a good, had a good piece in the, the box score inside the box score after the Indiana game. If you look at how Ohio state's defense ranks nationally after three weeks, uh, number six in yards per play allowed in the country. Number seven in points allowed. Third down conversion. Uh, third down conversion percentage, and then tied for fifth in red zone scoring. I mean, hey, you're you're in the top seven of all four of those statistical categories. You're you're gonna, you're going to do okay. Yeah. Uh, right until you get you know up into those postseason type type opponents. I think. Right. And again, I mean, we can, you know, you can definitely accuse that of being a little bit of hyperbole based on some bad opponents. But guess what? It's the beginning of the season. Everybody's playing. Everybody's playing. Every good team is playing bad opponents. And so that's just what you have to base it on. Alabama ain't playing the 85 Bears. That's that's exactly right. And it's, you know, and it's fine. And and honestly, all you want to see is consistency and improvement. We've seen both. And, um, you know, I, I just I think this team is, is really trending up right now. And again, you know, when you when you've got Miami right of Ohio to play next next weekend, which, again, another another one of those teams that I am personally very invested in, in Ohio State beating, although not nearly as anxious about the result on that one. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's easy to say that it's it's not amounting to nothing, but it's it's fine. And if you look at the national you know scene, which we can kind of transfer here now. Uh, you know, Clemson beats up Syracuse, Alabama, you know, beats South Carolina, which was game for maybe a half a quarter. Uh, you know, Ogo beats Arkansas State, which who cares? LSU, Northwestern State. I mean, none of these teams are playing a murderer's row. Um, nationally, the two games that I want to bring up are actually Big Ten games. Uh, <laughs> Michigan State almost won a game, but forgot. How, well, almost, you know, tied a game, I guess, and then forgot how to count, which is unfortunate. Um, and then you had... Uh, 
Maryland, which had scored over 100, I think 110 points through two games, something like that, yeah. uh, <laughs> losing to Temple and only scoring 17. <laughs> so here's here's the question I have for you about that particular, those two particular events, uh, Andy, which is that, do you feel the slightest twinge of, of like conference, you know, uh, sadness or saltiness? When when the pride of the Big Ten has been tweaked that way, or do you just not care? Do you say well, forever? Yes and yes. So on, on the one hand, I'm like, I, you really want the team you root for not to be in a crappy conference because you get tired of hearing the people who, uh, you know, root for teams uh, that may be crappy but are in good conferences, quote unquote. You know, talk about how bad your conference is. On the other hand, as long as Ohio State keeps winning 13 14 15 games a season uh the rest of them can bugger off as far as you know as far as i'm concerned it's i think part of the, part of what frosted me about those games is that uh, uh they really made me look stupid in the uh little house money series that we do uh, <laughs> amid the staff my, my picks were looking pretty poor after those teams refused to have the decency of covering the spread uh, that Michigan state game just bugs me. Cause I still have this fondness for Mark D'Antonio a, because of his role uh, on staff when he was at Ohio state, but then also um, cause I just, I don't know. There's something about that grinchy crusty bass <laughs> exterior right. that I, I just get a kick out of it. I, I enjoy it. And so that, that man, you could have run another play there. You had yeah. 11 seconds, throw the ball at the end zone. If it's incomplete, as long as it's not a pick, You've got time, right? If it's an incomplete pass, uh, you know whatever it is, you you've got time. Just don't that's throw just Michigan the pick. State, man. That's that's what's going to happen. I know. I know. So. I know. Sparty, look, I think Sparty No is dead, but I will say, like, in all honesty, <sighs> that's that's really it's not just who Michigan State is. That's who Mark D'Antonio is. Honestly, and, he is a good coach. He is not a great coach. He will probably never be a great coach. Um, he will coach up mediocre teams to goodness and he'll take good teams and make them exactly the same. Uh, but he's going to do dumb stuff, right? He's going to do dumb stuff from time to time. And that's, there you go. So and then you, you add insult to injury, you know, with the, the news um, Monday that the PAC 12 said that the referees made an error on the last play of that right. game because the apparently there was a, an infraction there with the long snapper that should have been flagged and right. uh, should have gone right. Michigan state's way. And it's like, Oh, great. So they caught the 12 men on the field thing. Uh, I mean, I think sometimes complaining about officiating gets really overplayed in this day of social media outrage, but man, that's bad. That that's is bad. bad. That is bad. So Maryland upcoming opponent loses. Gee, many Christmas, you know, Michigan State. Yeah, Michigan State upcoming opponent loses. Um, you know, you look you look at the the future schedule and like even Penn State. Penn State has a squeaker, right? They they beat Pitt by a touchdown and just look like garbage in the midst of it. Right now, it really looks like it's a one game season. I mean, yep. you know, granted, Michigan is always Michigan. And I'm not taking anything away from the game, and it's always a coin flip, but. Uh, Wisconsin really does look like the team to beat here and they, they look terrifying. Um, and really if, you know, look, this is, it's going to be obviously later in the season, but not that much later. Um, it's the 26th and right. a little bit later in the dubcast, actually we're going to talk about a special event we've got going on on the 26th, but, uh, that's looking real big on the schedule right now. It's looking 
really big because I think the thing are... that bothers me about that that we boil it down to a one game season is it, you're right by the way but the thing that bugs me about that is is the old thing you know everybody Ohio State gets everybody's best shot right. so you know how do you lose to Iowa two years ago how do you lose to Purdue last year and it's because stuff happens so you yeah, geez, you got a three-game stretch of night games um, coming up with Nebraska at uh, at Nebraska, Sparty, and then at Northwestern. You feel probably pretty good about those for the right. reasons already outlined. Um, you know, Wisconsin. I'm they haven't uh, announced time on that, but I don't know. Do you think that's going to be a night game? Is that a that that end up being you know, a fourth in a row? It's the twenty six. I. I'm, I would like to say that it's a night game. I think it's going to be a late game. I think it'll probably be three thirty, and then they'll, mm-hmm. they'll roll with that because by that time it'll be dark anyway. You're um, getting the weird Big Ten can't have night games in November or late October kind of. Yeah, I mean, I think deal. it should be a night game. I think yeah, like, that's going to totally be the marquee game of the Big Ten season. So they'd be dumb not to, but they're they're they could be dumb and they may not. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, it, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And of course, there's a lot of football to play till then. But right now, it looks like Ohio State's path to Wisconsin is pretty clear. But we'll see. You know, like you said, anything can show up. And <laughs> Michigan State, unheralded Michigan State teams have spoiled Ohio State's dreams. <laughs> yeah, I've never uh, seen that past. movie before. <laughs> yeah, so we'll 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 have to keep an eye out for every team on the schedule. Uh, coming up, like I said, is uh, Miami. I'm not super. You know. <laughs> I'm not excited about that game. I'm, I'm the weekend editor, so I'm going to be busy, you know, doing all that stuff. But I'll enjoy them stomping a crappy in-state opponent. So I'll, that'll be fun. Yeah, I guess I'd be curious to see how many snaps Fields gets in the second half. There, that that'll be my that'll yeah, be my Chris question. Yeah, going to be sadly dragged out onto the field against his will to actually play football. So that'll be yeah. fun. Uh, 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 that another Ohio State news, just real quick before we move on here a little bit. Uh, we Ohio State got a 2020 recruit in basketball. Um, Holtman continues to kind of tear it up in that sense. I mean, the, the team is coming together. I really so UG Brown, uh, the third, uh, committed to Ohio State. Um, he is, uh, you know, a four star, he's a big, lanky guy. Uh, he's a shooting guard, he's a 26 ranked shooting guard, and he's from Georgia. Um, you know, look, I one of the big things about Ohio State under Chris Holtman is they have really gotten the most out of whatever talent is on the squad. And he is just so good at making sure that all of his players work well. And you may see a recruit that he gets and goes, man, I don't know. I don't know how this person's going to fit. And then he just does. It. He makes it work and he makes it fit. And I'm, I'm look, I don't know much about this dude, but I'm excited to see him play. Well, the fact that, you know, you're raking in four-star recruits, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's what we need to see out of, out of Holtman continuing what he's done so far, getting some excitement, you know, back about the program and, and doing it, you know, you still had that at the end of the Mount area where you're like, okay, you know, this is one of the best coaches all time and so on, but the, the recruiting, that was the thing that you're worried about. It hasn't been, hasn't been a problem here, you know, for, for Holtman and, and it's not hard to see why he's a guy that people obviously like to play for they play hard for him he's developing talent you know that was the other thing I guess that people I heard you know when you when you hear people criticize a, a coach you know you always sort of take it with a, a grain of salt but you say okay how much development happened for a given recruit if they came in a four or five star guy 
came to Ohio State, how much development did they do over a one, two, three-year period or whatnot? That seems to be a thing that's happening with Holtman. So I'm with you. I'm excited, especially, uh, you know, even get, get some shooters. You know, that's been right, getting away. Like right. to see more. Yeah, that badly needed. Yeah, that's something the team definitely was was looking for, and and you know hopefully can contribute quickly. Um, so that's yeah, so that's that's kind of the Ohio State update. It's it's a lot of fun stuff. Maybe not major stuff yet, but we're definitely nearing that. Uh, don't forget to check out our dry goods store for shirts, hats, stickers, and more. Uh, Drygoods.11warriors.com. Let's go ahead and get into ask us anything. We have several questions this week. If you'd like to ask us anything, you may do so. Uh, to uh, you can send us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast on Twitter. This first one here is from Tim. Tim wants to know as you make college football playoff or excuse me, college playoff committee predictions, do you think it is necessary to examine more closely the makeup of the committee and their past conference affiliation? Last year had a higher SEC affiliation among the members, whereas this year it seems to be tilted more towards the Pac 12 and the ACC affiliations. So knowing that you are uh, an aficionado, I, I won't say fan, I'll say an aficionado okay. of conspiracy theories. I am, yes. Um, I, I, have to, I have to stop myself from going too deep down that rabbit hole. I mean, I, I've done that in the past where you start picking nits at uh, who was on there and what was their, what were their ties and are there too many, you know, the, the obvious thing is uh, if you, you follow the, projections that say oh you know alabama and georgia and, and lsu all three let's get all three of them in the right. in the playoff you know it's like, okay give me a break uh it's it's one of those things that yeah it's something that i am maybe vaguely aware of or have been but i try to make myself not look at it too much because you start seeing boogeymen under the couch every time you turn the lights off if you go right you go t- their way that way lie madness i guess <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I think it does play some factor, even subconsciously, with the people who are on the board. I mean, they they are more. If you're more familiar with the conference, right, you are going to value the teams of that conference higher. I, I think that's just human nature. I don't think you can avoid that, no matter how impartial you're trying to be. I just think that if you know that Ohio state, you've seen them practice, you've seen most of their games, you haven't seen, let's say, you know, Stanford, if they're any good or us, like if you're not watching PAC 12 games and maybe there's a really good team in the PAC 12, doesn't really matter. Isn't no, I know there isn't, but I'm just saying hypothetically (laughs) because of the time zones and you don't stay up late or whatever, you don't see their games. You can't, even if you're looking at the box scores and you're trying to watch highlights and whatnot, you can't really, judge and make a good value judgment because you're biased by your own memory and that that's something i don't think anybody on the on the committee can avoid i look they're professionals are trying their best and i i know that they're you know i don't think they're intentionally trying to get you know all sec teams or anything like that yeah. i do think that they you know recency bias comes into play i think you know their familiarity bias comes into play um i really to me the thing that Ohio state needs to do, and this is really what the question is asking are like, what does Ohio state need to get to the playoffs? You got to win your games. You can't lose to crappy teams right? and you'll be fine. And that's look, that's what it boils down to. No matter what bias you perceive the playoff committee to have Ohio state doesn't lose to Purdue and they're in the playoff. Ohio state doesn't lose to Iowa and they're in the playoff. That's all that matters. And you can't Mm -hmm. ignore that at a certain point. So I just, Look, 
you win your games you're in and that everything else you know people who might want to get teams in or whatever you can have all the conspiracy theories you want but that trumps all of them so to me you know it's just you got you can't do dumb stuff as a team frankly and, um, and i think there's you know one of the challenges too whenever i hear people get too wound up about the the committee you know there's there's probably no way to remove all well not probably there is no way to remove all bias sure from this as long as there are humans involved and oh by the way if you don't like the human factor of it you go back to the bcs era and we all complained about the computers that the computers had too much sway so hey which do you prefer uh machines that you think are out to get you or people that you think are out to get you because that's those are your options well, machines that are out to get me are Terminators One, Two, and I saw that movie like this. But I that that's much scarier to me than like Psycho or something. I can get out of the house. So I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, this next one's from St. Louis Wookie, STL Wookie. I assume that stands for St. Louis. I could be wrong. It could be St. L Wookie. I don't know. Um, Larry Wookie. You never. Larry know. Wookie. Uh, St. Larry Wookie wants to know as far uh, as far as an ask us anything. If Ohio State football ceased to exist, but you still wanted to follow college football. What would be your team? That's tough. I actually have like two answers for this, but yeah, I don't know if I do. <laughs> okay. Would you just quit college football? You would be like, no, I can't. I'm done. I can't. No, 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 not necessarily. But at the same time, I mean, you know, so the obvious answer for me would be to say that uh, I did, did grad school at Purdue. I'd follow Purdue. Um, right. that, that would be, I guess, the logical generic, answer um, i i kind of when we were talking about um michigan state earlier and i was saying how much i really like mark d'antonio you know i could say oh yeah i'd follow michigan state except no because <laughs> 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 i wouldn't want to subject myself to exactly right. what we were talking about a few minutes ago so i i mean i think i'm just really glad that i was born and raised in the great state of ohio and chose to go to school in columbus like that's it's just worked out very nicely for me in that regard. Yeah. <laughs> Life gave you a natural rooting affiliation that, that works rather well if you like college football. <laughs> yeah, which is basically like the one natural rooting affiliation in Ohio that consistently works out. So that's yeah. Good. Um, I would say, I mean, look, if we're staying in the Big Ten, you know, I wrote an article crapping on him. Well, no, I did not crapping on him. It was supposed to be tongue in cheek and people took it literally what I, you know, I was making fun of Pat Fitzgerald. I don't really oh, yeah. Pat Fitzgerald. That the whole point of the the whole point of the article, the joke was is that Pat Fitzgerald is so like benign in general. Like how could yeah. you actually hate Pat Fitzgerald? Right. I look I Northwestern would be perfect for me. I'm a huge nerd, right? I don't really have a lot of expectations of success in my own personal life because I'm kind of a pessimist. Um <laughs> You know, and and the colors are dope. They're in a cool. They're in a cool city. They're right on the lake. I enjoy cold weather. I, to me, that sounds like a perfect marriage, right? So I would say Northwestern would be there up there for me. If I had to pick something that wasn't a Big Ten team, uh, I have always held a rooting interest in the Utah State Aggies. Um, they have the best fight song in college athletics. It's not close. Uh, the Scotsman song is incredible. You really need to look it up on YouTube if you don't if you're not aware of it oh, uh, they're out there in the mountains right. they're you know they're just they're the they're the the unheard little brother of byu i mean you know they're they're just great <laughs> I, I love they got cool uniforms i'm a huge uh utah state fan um i, I figured out the other one that i that i should have said you you, okay. you threw me threw me such a loop with this one so when when i was applying for colleges low those many years ago and they were many there were two schools i applied to 
Ohio State obviously was, was the one. Sure. The the other school I applied to that I seriously wanted to attend was the University of Southern California. And it's so funny because when I decided not to go there um, and, you know, focused on Ohio State and so on, I I hated USC with a fiery passion of 10,000 burning suns during the Pete Carroll era, because <laughs> I felt like he, you know, got a, I called him slippery Pete for years because I'm like, he got away with everything. And Jim oh, Trestle, sure. who I, you know, have up on this pedestal of greatness that can never be touched, you know, got ran out of town on a rail for something really, really stupid. And, <laughs> and, and while he was vice president of happiness at a state school, no one had ever heard of slippery Pete's coaching in the national football league. And it seems right. so wrong. But, but well, USC to be was fair, the, the school. To be but, fair, Pete Carroll is a better coach. I think a better NFL coach than. I Jim will not Pete. hear this this blasphemy, Johnny. No, like, I really like, don't think I have to I really don't think in year of our twenty nineteen, Jim Trestle would be a head coach. Oh. <laughs> hey, Chip NFL. Kelly said he wanted to bring back the wishbone. Anything's possible. Well, that's I guess that's true. If he had the players, he said. <laughs> if he had the players. If he had the players. Yeah. Um, yeah, USC's not. I mean, look, they're they're a sexy choice. I I didn't like uh, USC for the same reasons you did. I really didn't like Pete Carroll. Um, you know, and, you know, and you know what I love about SC though? There are two things that you just can't deny about USC that are just really cool. One okay. is the, the Trojan warrior on his horse, uh, you know, oh, traveler yeah. and cool. the, the sword thing. I, I love that. I actually have one of those swords in my office. Nice. Um, and then two, the song girls. I mean, is there a more iconic, just yeah, it's you know it's a, it's a spirit squad part. whatever you want to call that that you whatever the appropriate term is this day i mean the song girls are classic iconic the sun over the mountains of the rose bowl i mean the whole nine yards it's just it's just great it's incredibly hollywood and you really can't fault them for that i mean there's a lot of really great stuff about usc i just will say that that watching a singular man and vince young just take apart you know the likes of you know matt line and reggie but all that right. that's that was that was uh, last one here. This is from uh, the original Tybo on <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, right. Tyler wants to know. I know it's way too early, but which contender? And he's given us five here: uh, Clemson, Bama, Georgia, Oklahoma, and LSU. Do you think Ohio State matches up best with, and who gives the Bucks the worst matchup? Well, I'd say the worst matchup. I'm going to say Clemson just because they have seemed to be Ohio State's kryptonite in yeah. in the, the 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 Dabo era, and so until we can wash the the stink of of that off, um, you know that that that's probably will be my. I don't actually know if that's the right answer, X's and O's wise. Best matchup, I'll go back to Alabama, and again, because you know I think Ohio State, you know, as we not that not that uh, the matchup in the sugar bowl is the end all be all there, but I think schematically, I think, uh, you know, personnel wise, stylistically, that's just a great matchup for Ohio state. And, and, you know, Nick Saban hasn't changed that much. I mean, yes, he's adapted and evolved to some degree, but I think the reasons that was a great matchup for Ohio state uh, those years ago uh, are still reasons that that's a great matchup for Ohio state. Yeah. Yes. Ryan day has, uh, has put his stamp on it, but there's still, the same things there. We go back to talking about the running game earlier. Ohio State could still run against Alabama, no question in my mind. If you can do that, you can open up the passing game and so on and so forth. The, that's that's probably where if I had to put money on either of them, I don't know what to think about LSU. Um, you know, I, that's a that's kind of an interesting matchup for me. And there's obviously storyline implications. You've got storyline implications with Georgia and the the, the fields thing. Uh, 
yeah, I'd, I'd still probably say Clemson and Alabama on the opposite sides. What, what, what do you think? So I agree with you with Clemson. I mean, I, I part of it is we have to kind of see if, if Joe Burrow really is the real deal. I mean, he, he's again, I, I'm leaning towards yes, he is. I mean, he's he's putting together some really impre- incredible uh, performances. I really still think they're vulnerable to a guy who can just sling it and, and really just challenge them deep. Uh, we look, I, I think the defense is much improved from last season. The thing that the secondary and really the defensive scheme in terms of the passing game is kind of predicated on is just keeping the ball in front of you. If they have wide receivers that can just take the top off the you know secondary and, and start throwing, you know, 40, 50, 60 yard bombs and, and being effective that way. I, mm-hmm. I think they're still vulnerable. So if, if LSU can do that kind of thing, I don't think Joe Burrow necessarily has the arm for that, but we know that uh, Trevor Lawrence definitely does. Um, that I think would be a difficult matchup for Ohio State. Uh, what's interesting to me, what's really interesting to me, and, and this I guess is kind of predicated on you know the Ohio State um, passing offense continuing to be really good. Um, Alabama, Alabama has not been unbelievably impressive defensively in a lot of ways um particularly in their in their secondary so i like again it's not that they're terrible or anything like that i'm not i'm not saying this is a team you know this is not the dregs of the sec where they can't defend anybody uh but they can be passed on this season and i i I think the sec game which they still won relatively comfortably um showed that look the thing is is that when you have you know, when you're talking about the playoffs, then again, it's it's really far away, right? Like we're not, we are really not, uh, you know, talking about an imminent matchup here. Um, but you're looking for like strength on strength, or at least strength mm-hmm. on relative like weakness. And, and what can your team do that much better to exploit uh, something that they don't do as well? It, it, all these teams are going to be good in, in various respects. But Alabama right now is the 50th ranked uh, pass defense in the country. And you know, it's it's not because nobody's you know, you know everybody's just focusing on the passing game. Like they they have a genuine weakness there, and I think that's something that Ohio State could exploit. So right now, it looks like I think Alabama is one of the better matchups, like you said, schematically for Ohio State. So um, we'll see if that you know if that comes to fruition. I personally think that fate is guiding our hand towards a LSU matchup at some point in the future, which would be really just incredible. I think that would be one of the most amazing things that happen in college football i think a long time just the confluence of of coincidences um but yeah we'll see what happens so that was ask us anything thank you for sending those in those were excellent Andy, we got one more piece of business to take care of before we get out of here uh i think you know what it is you've you've attended one of these in the past um what what do you think of of our our incredible uh you know annual event the uh the 11 dub game I, I think there's nothing not to love you've, you as uh, as the article says you, you're going to tailgate somewhere uh, for this game anyway you you may as well do it with us for a great cause uh, it's great good good booze good food good companionship good cause yeah I'm, yeah. I'm all in baby so Dogate nine it's going to be on October 26th that is the date of the Wisconsin game we kind of got to figure out obviously you know when they decide that they're going to actually play the game to tell you when to show up but it will be uh, at the usual spot it's going to be right there on campus uh, uh, on Lane basically the, all the details are on the on the website obviously Lane Grant Dirty Franks uh, BW3 is Yingling Jack Daniels we've got sponsors out the butt um, it's going to be a lot of fun last the last two like it, it's take i'll be honest some of the dub gates 
have been a little up and down. The last two or three Dubgates have been on point. They have been so great. There's so many people have showed up. It's been an incredible time. Uh, you know, great weather. Ohio State is undefeated every time 11 Warriors has a banger. Um, it's it's just a great thing to do. It's a really fun thing to check out. Uh, 21 and up, $21 gets you in with two drink tickets. 21 up and feeling a little VIP gives you four uh, for $40. We'll give you six drink tickets. 14 to 21, $10 for sodas. Anyone under 13 gets in free. Any active military get in free. It's a great time. It's for Down syndrome and cheese, which uh, starts, you know, helps fund research um, for Down syndrome and in really an area, a medical area that is just not studied enough um, and really given enough tension. So we try to help with that and have done that for the past several years. And uh, it's a good time. It's just a really good time. I'm going to be there. Um, so if, you know, your sole purpose for a living is, is meeting John again, or you can absolutely do that. And I will, uh, you know, give you a hug and, and maybe a kiss on the cheek and it'll be a great time. So definitely check it out. We'll keep talking about it in the coming weeks. And I'm excited. I'm excited to beat Miami uh, <laughs> for personal reasons. Uh, but since it doesn't manifest in terms of like the extreme anxiety that, you know, it did against Cincinnati, I'm going to kind of keep that on the down low. Yeah. Um, but I look forward to talking about this next week and, and talking about how much, you know, it feels to, to enjoy a team that scored 100 points against Miami of Oxford. So. It's going to be awesome. 